know if you can hear me. I can. There's an echo, I think. But, but can you hear, can you hear me? me? I can hear you. Can yeah. you hear me? Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So how's it going? All right. How are you? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's I cold. Your, and... Yeah. I can see your breath. Like, where are you exactly? <laughs> I'm, out, I'm out in the work shed. So there's only, and actually that's why I was a bit late. I was getting the fire going there, but uh, it need to be going for a little while to actually warm up. So it's a little bit cold, but that's okay. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> how, how are things with you? Um, busy. It's a new school semester for me. So right. um, the first assignments are going to start coming in, which means I'm going to be going kind of mental. <laughs> Just right. trying to get everything done. But I have interesting courses. I have a class on King Arthur. So, no, yes, that one's pretty interesting. And what about your classical art studies? Are they? Oh, I'm not at or? the academy um, anymore because of the COVID situation. So. Oh, but they're still going? Are they still they're, going? They're open on and off, but I just don't want to spend the money to be there in a mask and gloves when I can just work comfortably in my own studio. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're only going to be copying the cast or whatever. I do yeah. hear a slight echo in my voice, but then it's not always there either. Oh. Maybe it's not a big deal. Sometimes these things come back in the recording and they're more annoying than they sound. Hmm. It's, it's, I'll assume it's okay. It's not. I can hear it now and again, but anyways, forget it. It's, it's probably okay. I don't really hear it. But maybe it's yeah. This, I've I've done this. If, yours was the first one I ever did, mm -hmm. and remember, it was just like I was just like, okay, <laughs> what are we doing or what? <laughs> but since mm -hmm. there, since then, I've done a few, and I've noticed little things like that. Like there's been a couple where there'd be noise and sound. That's not even that bad when you're recording, but then when you play it back, it's really bad. Mm -hmm. um, I, I assume it's not one of those occasions. But yeah, yours was the first one. That's funny. Yeah. So you're back, and it was yes. like there was a lot of always a lot of requests to get you back. Really. Well, there's a good number, yeah. It had like the most views out of all of them for like a long time. I, I thought, oh. I don't know, because it was the first. I mean, I know we just sat there and rambled for like, what was it, two hours? It was long. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand <laughs> why people thought us talking for that long was that entertaining, to be honest. I thought they would like, after half an hour, be like, mm, I'm going to just check out. But I guess no. they didn't. No, no, no. I guess you're just, you're, you were, your life story was too fascinating for them to, <laughs> to check out. <laughs> I wish I thought my life story was that fascinating. <laughs> well, it's not bad. It could be worse. What if you were just like a totally normal person working in a, you know, Safeway or something? I mean, <laughs> no? well, I, I've had jobs where you, where there are just stupid trifles and, you know, just stupid things that I've done and for money. And there was a lot of stories in those actually. Sometimes it's, right. the, it's the dumb jobs that have the funniest stuff. Uh, actually, that's true. Yeah. One of my first jobs one of them. I mean, all my first jobs were just ludicrous, but I remember one was working in this, uh, like gas station, uh, like night shifts with these guys. And there'd be a lot of pretty hilarious stories of us just, uh, doing what we wanted. Basically. Like I remember I'd go in, I'd, you'd work a night shift. So you'd go in and you'd sit down and I'd basically just eat whatever I wanted at the store. And if I knew my friends came in, I'd be like, take whatever you want. <laughs> and so we'd have like a little party. And yeah. then one time, one time the boss watched all the videos and caught us like eating all the food and everything. Uh -huh. And um, he didn't even get that angry. He was kind of angry, but he gave up more at like the old lady that stole an ice cream now and again for some reason. I think he thought found it kind of slightly hilarious or something. I don't know why. <laughs> it was very odd. But there was one video where my friend of mine comes in and he's drunk. And I go, I say, take whatever you want. And he takes off his shirt. And 
he's uh he takes a, like a, like a, the when he caught us the boss brought us in and he showed us the video and i was like oh yeah i know so while he showed me the video back i'm like i was telling him oh i tried to stop him i tried to stop him. and it shows me there and i'm standing there laughing he's got a shirt <laughs> off and he's dancing on a on a box of chocolate bars or something <laughs> like there was no way there's no way out of it but yeah you're right there's a lot of funny old stories about those silly gimpy little jobs that mm-hmm. where we're working as slaves yeah but anyways the point of having mm-hmm. here is not to go on about our private lives for another two hours <laughs> but we're going to talk about style, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes so the are. importance of style or having style. It's not something we have in spade. It's mm-hmm. style. So where would you like to start? Oh, he froze. You froze. I don't, you're not moving. <laughs> Can no. you still hear me? No, yeah, that cut out for a second. Okay. That's back. Okay. Sorry, go on. So where do you want to start? Well, what do you, what would you have to say about it for to start and now we'll work, work into that? Yeah, the need, the, ne- the necessity of I would I I thought like the necessity of um finding your style and sticking to it, mm-hmm. how important that is. But then you were saying as well the necessity of understanding different yeah versatile styles and having that as well. Well, I guess it depends on what your goal is because there's different types of artists, right? You have like the fine artist versus the animator versus the graphic designer. So yeah. it depends on what you're doing. But I also think that learning other styles, even if you're not going to use them in your work, it, it helps you learn learn stuff about um, different move, art movements or just even about your own work. You'll develop other skills. It's just, it's really just about, I don't know, you always need to practice. You always need to be doing something when you're an artist. And so yeah. it's like, it's like just doing your sketchbook if you don't want to change your style, but it's, it's good for just even your mental state, just scribble something down, try something new. Right. Yeah. Cause I feel like if you remain the same throughout and you don't actually try anything new, how does your work develop? Like, because yeah. like trying something else could help develop your own style and further it. Yeah, yeah. but you do have to develop and focus and create yeah. your own style, and that will change yeah. over time as well a little bit. But as you have to kind of stick to it, like my in my own case, mm-hmm. I was always really good at imitating different styles, like pretty good yeah. enough that I, enough that I didn't really stick to one specific one mm-hmm. recognizably to develop. Like, and and I haven't really focused on visual art for a long time now. So, but I I recognize that that is the need for that. Yeah, your work is recognizable and distinct. Yes. And that's something that develops from, pra- like you say, practice and practice. But then you you focus on the style and you, re- like even, I even knew guys, I know a guy, he just, re- he wasn't a very good drawer, really fundamentally, but he um, developed a really, a, a heavy style of like, um, how do you say it? This was back in Canada too. He's, you might even recognize some of his work. I don't know. Maybe not. He's, he lives in Calgary and he does like um, 50s, kind of cartoony horror stuff a lot of it it's very stylized in that kind of 50s rock and roll kind of way if you get me i don't know Mm -hmm. i'd have to i'm not grabbing the words to describe him that well he did a lot of um he did a lot of covers for bands and cd covers if you uh googled his name would like do tom bagley tom bagley is his name he used to have a band i used to like as well what was it called forbidden dimension He, he also played in the band but but his style is, is, so he wasn't fundamentally, I mean, if Tom is probably not listening to this anyways, but I don't mean to insult him by saying he wasn't a good illustrator. But really, I didn't think he didn't, he wasn't naturally talented at it in that way, or he wouldn't be incredibly versatile. He wouldn't be as versatile probably, you know, as you, 
-hmm. so and so forth. But he focused and developed a personal style that's distinct to a mm -hmm. high degree, so that it was very finished every time and very recognizable. And he, you know, made a career out of that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like some people are not necessarily good um, technically with art, but because they have something that sets them apart in their style, whatever that may be, um, yeah. they gain fame from it. Or maybe even just how they present their work, their persona about it, like uh, Banksy there, right? He's kind of a, a troublemaker. His work isn't like the most uh, profound looking or most beautiful work, but... yeah. He, Right. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other extreme of that, where they like someone is like basically a hack with no talent at all, and just kind of is recognizable, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, that'd be that's not like Tom was genuinely talented in his definitely in his style he created. And there's a whole there was a whole subculture there at the, for a time. I don't know if it's still there. I thought it was it was very much in Canada. I thought the kind of like a, a retro fifties ish recreation in like cynical sardonic cartoons and things. Did you have mm -hmm. that? Did you notice that at all, or in Toronto? Or? Uh, when I was in the working at the Royal Ontario Museum uh, last year, well, it wasn't really a job; it was more of a course. But I was allowed to go behind the scenes to look at uh, Canadian art that was in storage. There is a lot of like pinup style work that I yeah. saw that was in storage, and I, there's this one artist I cannot remember his name for the life of me right now. But yeah. uh, if I do, I will let you know. But his his work was really, really, really good. And yeah. nobody knows about him. He like it's like he he got all the jobs, he illustrated the magazines, and then he died, and that was it. And nobody knows him. So it's like even if you have the style, it seems like, and if you're successful during your life, it's just like at some point when yet that style is no longer needed, and magazines now just use photography, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just your work. Well, that's more work. that's more the malaise of the modern world. That example of we're we're yeah. sort of pretending in an, an imaginary world where art is still important. <laughs> I mean, his work was really good. I I need to look up his name again because uh, I couldn't believe that we had this person, Canadian artist, that is just basically ignored. Because in Canada, if it's not the group of seven, it's not important apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know they yeah they carry on about the same ones. Yeah, yeah. There's a few guys like that though, not just Canadian American ones too. That from that era that did like pulp magazine covers. Mm -hmm. And magazines and that pinup kind of style, like back in back in the day. Um, this isn't like Tom was more like reviving that in a more specific cartoony way. But there was a lot of guys. I read it, and there was a magazine that used to be devoted. I used to get it. I have some of them. Illustration magazine it was called, in fact. Mm -hmm. And it was it would sort of showcase them and talk about them. There was one guy, and he was brilliant. His work was like, as far as it goes in that kind of genre, he was like a master. And you would look at his paintings and it'd be like, oh, this is amazing. And um, he. He also did other stuff, like he invented machines and things, and did. He had a weird life, and at one point he got lost in the woods, and he kind of like <laughs> decided not to come back to to civilization and began like living like an animal for a while or something. Okay, <laughs> he had this crazy story, but then yeah. he had all his works, and he was, but he was like the forgotten era. Of these all he did was like paint for these silly magazines, and um, you know, he didn't make that. He 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 was famous in a culty way, but because mm -hmm. that style of art is now out of, he's not considered fine art like Banksy. Mm. So yeah. he, he's forgotten about it or whatever. But then more tragically, someone came around to his house apparently saying they were going to compile his work to make a book about him and oh, then yeah. stole stole all his all his original paintings and made off. Wow. Of him. He lost it all. <laughs> Shortly wow. before he died. That's I know. Yeah. Crazy. I know, I know.
I'll, do we um, know where the work ended up, or is it just permanently I don't know. lost right when now? It, if I remember, if I remember when I put this video up, I'll include his name in the links and see if, anyways. But um, mm -hmm. you'll see, anyways. He was good. He was gen a generally gifted, like basically a master painter, like forced to work for a pittance to illustrate some magazines <laughs> in the yeah. I want to say sixties, seventies. I think was his, his era. But yeah, there's a lot of brilliant guys doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. they, they were mimicking each other's style. They, there was that was a specific style that was like it had to be very. How would you say? Like some of them were like ads, and what they wanted them to be painted. Although they might as well have been photographs, they'd be like hyper, just total realism. Yeah, there'd be, there'd be an art to them. Mm -hmm. But that was a whole genre of style. Yeah. Yeah. So what else can we say about style? Are we done? <laughs> have, have <laughs> well, we covered? If you look at uh, art from different civilizations, right? They all have, even if they're close or contemporary to one another, they still have their own style, their own way of creating their own artwork, like Mesopotamia versus Egypt versus the Minoans of Crete, right? Yeah. They all have their own distinct style. You can see similarities in their work, but they all have a style, and it's usually based on maybe religious beliefs, cultural beliefs, what's available to them, how they're able to interpret what they see or how they want to create. So the style is always there. It's always distinct. And yeah. if you look at um, like when Rome, late Rome, when it's about to fall and you have like the, the birth of the Christian Christianity becoming more popular, the Christians decided to create their own style of artwork. They didn't have this like hyper-realistic or uh, Hellenistic <laughs> style of, of portraying people. Yeah. They, they switched. I mean, they even switched uh, how how to um, what kind of literature they were going to create. Like you have the scroll versus the book, and the book is much more Christian, right? So it's like yeah. to say we're not pagan, we're Christian. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, in that regard, the book was a step up. The rest of it was not, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in regards to their sculpture and their painting, mm -hmm. mostly, I mean, would you not agree that it seemed like they lost a lot of... Uh, they did, but it's, I think also they they didn't bother to try and figure out learning how or relearning how uh, the Greeks and Romans were able to get such uh, naturalistic looking artwork. They mm. were just like, well, we're not pagan, so we're going to stick with this. And and yeah, it took a while. I mean, when you get Charlemagne that comes in, he kind of says, no, we're going to go back. You get like a mini Renaissance there. Mm. The, you know, because if you look at uh, books, um, codexes from his time, they do include pagan symbolism. I mean, they're trying to like revive it, but it's it's yeah. not the same. Yeah. yeah. So maybe when their initial fervor, when they got all hyped up about the uh, iconoclasts, maybe uh, maybe and maybe this is well documented. I'm just not aware of it. When they were going around killing the hero fans and destroying the temples to Apollo, et cetera. Maybe they also just simply destroyed all the art academies. Probably. And just broke that connection, like, you know, killed the masters and cut that uh, tradition. Maybe that's what well, happened. Because you well, see a lot of sculpture, a sculpture from Constantine on, and mm -hmm. it's looking pretty. It, it doesn't just look like an individual style in regards to style. It looks just like a shit, hokey yeah. attempt at being like Roman, but like bad, badly done. Well, right. yeah, I mean, they, they did go after a lot of the intellects too. So. When you yeah. when you get rid of all the people that know how to do anything, <laughs> you're just left with yeah. a handful of like uh, amateurs, <laughs> pretty much. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're going to do that again, apparently. Maybe that's, or have we already done it? Maybe we've already kind of done that, maybe sort of. Well, with modern- yeah. I mean, like in a Renaissance, uh, during the, like during the Renaissance in the Netherlands, they had another iconoclasm that happened there. And, and you know, they were destroying oh. churches and you can still see broken sculptures and uh, defaced uh, mosaics and paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, such a crime. I mean, of all things. <laughs> yeah. All so things. It's, it never goes away. It's always, it's like, it just comes back. Yeah. But as you were saying, anyways, the point was Christian style distinct from the Roman and this. So you can say they because they weren't allowed to be uh, so focused on um, because the iconoclasm would not allow sculpture and stuff so much. Mm-hmm. They they focused their artwork on books and they did do an amazing job in that regard with their uh, detailed handmade books and the, you know, oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, that, I mean, that was amazing. So and music. They went into books and music. What else? Did they, uh, I guess they were good at textiles. Oh, and architecture. Mosaics. You can't. You, you can't, you can't turn your nose up at uh, Gothic architecture, really, can you? No. And, in fact, and that's in that regard. Okay, so in, in regards to architecture and books, you can argue they were even superior, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Would you? Oh, yeah. Would you agree or what? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I know a lot of people like to call the Middle Ages the Dark Ages, but how dark? really was it i mean when you're making gothic cathedrals you 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 can't be stupid <laughs> like you can't <laughs> you no. want that to be a success you have to have some brains to work it out yeah yeah <laughs> oh, yeah and people complain you know they burned a few witches but i mean fuck who cares fuck them i mean yeah well they probably, were they probably had it coming <laughs> <laughs> well they they were they were able to uh, work some stuff out so i don't know i don't hate the gothic i think the gothic is very very beautiful and uh, i think that's amazing that they were able to accomplish that yeah but that's not a good example of style isn't it like it's so weird gothic like and where did it come from i re- tried to read up on it once and it seemed to be very mysterious like it was partially like the, the oh, goths yeah. the goths in particular weren't necessarily much to do with it it was like sort of outer empire roman style that was there and uh, ignored sort of that, yeah. combined, that combined elements of the roman like the arch and everything well before like, that it's like the romanesque right yeah. romanesque is not i don't think it's a very long period of arc of style but it kind of leads into the gothic and with the gothic you get everything kind of trimmed down so it's not so heavy heavy looking mm-hmm. that's why they include yeah. all those like buttresses and and um yeah Oh, I'm losing. I, there's another term that I wanted to say, but uh, I'm losing my train of thought there. Well, like I can't the OG, remember all the, the OG windows or whatever. What do they call them? The pointed windows. Not. I mean, there was an influence there from Islam too. I think was it? Was it from Spain and that? As well? For what? Sorry. Uh, for like the Gothic, was there not? Is there is there an Islamic influence there, or am I wrong? Am I thinking? Um, or they? I, they, they, I know they predate that, but I know the Islamic they, were influenced by the Romans and influenced a little bit by the Gothic. I mean, some yeah. mosques later on incorporated stained glass windows. So, right. Mm-hmm. I can't no. remember all the architecture terms. Like, I was taking so many classes in architecture, and there are so many terms for every little thing has a name. And if you're not in the class anymore or not looking at it extensively, the names just slip because it's not like I had that architecture in the city that I walk by it every day. And yeah. And go, oh, there's those Lancet windows, you know. <laughs> and if you were uh, studying architecture, you still wouldn't know because they wouldn't. You wouldn't use it in your work. You would be like, oh, whatever. Like, we're, I'm, <laughs> I'm just making some random new thing now. This S curve or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Stupid thing they do. Yeah. So it's lost, anyways. But yeah. um, yeah. So that's all. The Gothic style is odd, and it's unique and amazing, and it's like impractical and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just good, and um, it's whatever. 
the forces behind why it's uniqueness beings wanting to be i guess not roman and wanting to be christian but wanting yeah. to be certainly wanting to be to be grand very grand as well mm -hmm. i mean it all comes down to the practicalities of needing an arch if you want to build you know the necessities like nowadays in retrospect they say oh it's it's all phallic or something but i mean it boils down to the necessities and engineering of going upwards having a doorway needing mm -hmm. like if you want a high ceiling you make a vault and you know stuff like that yeah and it wasn't perfect like people think that these things were constructed and there was no mistakes trust me there were mistakes there was there were pieces of those of those uh, cathedrals dropping and there was accidents i mean the hagia sophia yeah, yeah, there was accidents with that. You can read about them. So it wasn't mm, perfect. Yeah. yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot of injury, trial and error, figuring things out. So how and why back then, especially, did they they had their okay? So style becomes a tr tradition, mm -hmm. and you just inherit the style, and you say, okay, this is what we do, and we're going to keep doing it, and nobody is allowed to step too far out of line, or, but like I, this is what I this is my curious thing, like the fact that it, through all of history there was never anything resembling modernism like ugliness for its own sake, intentional. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So things would evolve and change organically. Yeah. And some rogue guy would go off in a different direction, but there was never anything resembling this intentional ugliness to think you're clever for making something ugly. Yeah. Or... So that's there the weird. It. <laughs> no, it never happened. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Oh, it's all that time. Like, like, yeah. 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 I mean, um, like Caravaggio, he, he created a whole new new style and then he had followers the caravaggisti and he was like uh just rogue with what he did he yeah. made he took everything and just made it kind of like you know the madonna is gonna look like she's the poor lady down the street and she with dirty feet and all that stuff you know he made the the holy family real yeah you know and that was contra controversial for the time but it's yeah. we look at it and we're like oh this is amazing this is beautiful this is great you yeah. know, and then what do we what we're living through right now is just like somebody just smears paint on a canvas or puts a chair in the middle of the road and calls it clogged artery and it's great, you know. <laughs> Did you just make that up or is that a real one? Clogged <laughs> no, artery? I just made that up. <laughs> well, that's that's how good, easy yeah. it is, right? You can just come up with whatever bullshit you want and it's it's like you just get an applause. Yay, you know. Yay for bullshit. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it's great for bullshit. So you, but that's the thing about it is that it's not connected to anything from before. It's total yeah. disconnect. It's like I'm, we're standing in opposition to attack what came before to make a mockery of it, and that's what it's. This is the whole reason I wrote the book is I noticed this and I thought, well, you know, but part of that was noticing that's the that 19th style. Century. Yeah. yeah. Well, so Kandinsky was the first one who tried to present you with an abstract splatter painting, mm. and he sort of didn't take off so much until later on when Greenberg made him a hero or whatever. But he was the first to like have you know to walk into a gallery and say look at my look at my funny lines and my little geometric shapes <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, yeah. as yeah, far as we know that other know, guy um what's his name the one who took the urinal and called it fountain Do you uh, duchamp yeah, yeah. Duchamp, he was a little later but yeah oh yeah he was the one who yeah mr Re mr rebellious guy yeah so whatever oh yeah but, and um, then we like, just I, never it never stopped. It's like it's still going, even with the rise of the ateliers right now, and just people saying, "I want to learn for real how to draw and how to do anything <laughs> properly." Yeah. It's still not um, accepted. No, like we're still just giving tons of money to crazy people to do ridiculous things and basically humiliate. We're, they're being paid to humiliate themselves and be proud of it. Yeah. 
But at least now, in a way, we can see the whole thing circling the drain, right? So it's not just like us, the artistic people, like on our own, yelling, hey, this is wrong. This is, <laughs> someone is, you know, fooling you. This is stupid. It's like you, everybody can visibly see their forces are, you know, converging on a disaster, <laughs> let's say. Mm -hmm. But um, what was I going to say? Or I was, I was thinking of Egypt too. I always reference Egypt because it lasted so long, so many thousands of years, mm -hmm. and there was style changes there, as well as religious changes. But it, fundamentally, it never did really change, not till really it became Roman, and then shortly after Christian. Mm -hmm. Really, yeah. when it became Christian, it changed. But I mean, yeah. all those you know thousands of years. <laughs> Of you know, and their style is very always very recognizable. Yes, so surely there was guys there that wanted to maybe or understood. Oh, let's make a totally, you know, Greek style sculpture or Persian style, and but it was like, no, we're Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> it must be this way. All the well, all that time, all that time. Well, they were leading the the ancient world for a very long time. So mm. if you're in charge, you're gonna be like, well, this is the style, guys. Sorry, you know. This is what we're doing, so you follow suit if you want to have great art. Well, they were devoted to tradition, and they were devoted always to their their religion. Always seemed to come first. If you ever read yes. about them in that old world way, that archaic way, when it always did, like mm -hmm. it always came, it came, it came before everything before, even when it was not as what's the word in you know say in the modern sense. If someone's religious, they're like they're a real evangelical Puritan kind of. For, true believer. They weren't even necessarily like that. They just understood the importance of it. Yes. You know? Well, it identifies you, right? Like yeah. we are, yeah. we're Egyptian, you know, this is who we are. This is our style. We're very proud of it. You know, I mean, it's why in the 19th century, like um, England was trying to figure out what style they would have for like architecture, because for the longest time, everyone's using like the Roman style columns and and all that. So the English decided to adopt the Gothic. That is the style of Northern Europe. So we're going to do that. So oh, see. is that when the Gothic revival? You mean like Pugin and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But they didn't fully. Um, they still included Roman style or Greek style elements yeah. of architecture because you'll see some of the some of the buildings are not necessarily totally vertical. They're still very horizontal. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would have like neoclassical beside a gothic gothic revival, and uh, yeah. it's just like both at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, in that funny way that the British Empire was like incredibly Christian, but also very pagan, certainly in the in a sort of Greek and Roman sense, that like, they were devoted to that to their ideas, and uh, mm -hmm. they they had that with them always, I guess. But yeah, yeah, gothic revival was amazing, and Pugin was a total genius. You can't deny that. Like you've seen, have you been to uh, London? Have you seen the Parliament buildings? No, I haven't. My God, when you see it, when you see it for <laughs> real, like, uh, and to think the fact that we have the means to make something like that, and at least it, at least it was done then, mm -hmm. and, and that we don't, you know, it's such it puts everything, it's put so many things to shame to see that. <laughs> it really is a grand thing to see. It is quite amazing, and that gothic, the gothic detail of it, like. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's one thing to look at images of these places, but to, it's visiting visiting them is what really makes them. I think that, that leaves the impression. I mean, I felt that way when I visited the Colosseum, when I was yeah. on the Acropolis. Um, like I had a whole other, I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. It's just, it's really awe-inspiring. That's all it is really, I can say. For me, when I was there, I just didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay 
and hang myself <laughs> and just stay and look at it and, and just walk through it. And because there's nothing like that in Canada. I mean, what am I going to do? The, the, the oldest yeah. buildings and the nicest buildings are basically uh, owned by the University of Toronto. They have some right. uh, Gothic revival uh, buildings. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. I mean, there's some, there's that street, what's that old street in Toronto there that's got a lot of old buildings that are quite nice. Some of them, anyways, I've seen, I've seen them. Is it young or one of these? Or one, there's like an old thoroughfare that's one of the main ones. Um, and it's got, it's got some old, like not Gothic revival, but um, 19th century, I think, or really. There's early a few 20th. areas that have, that have that, but Toronto's basically just destroying everything that they have. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Are they right? Yeah. Are they what? Really? They're like, yeah, they, there's no respect for the old, for the old heritage no, stuff. They don't, nope. uh, uh, a lot of stuff just gets bought and torn down and there's a condo. And before the condos finish being built, it starts falling apart. And you, you know, you hear about, you hear stories about glass just falling from like the, you know, 60th floor. <laughs> it's like, great. Meanwhile, in Egypt, the pyramid's still standing. Yeah. So it's a deadly hazard as well as being shite and just an offense to look at. It's like, <laughs> It might explode on you and kill you or something. That's hilarious. It's like the uh, the Royal Ontario Museum, right? That's a 19th century style building. And then they decide to put that horrible uh, feature, which looks like, I don't know, an asteroid just like slammed into it. It's like a, <laughs> you can't even see, you can't even say it's like a naturalistic looking growth. It's like the shitty, yeah. And then like, you might say it's like, okay, they made like a sci-fi, sci an 80 sci-fi growth, like, cancerous growth upon it but they didn't even do a good job of doing that if you picture picture it in your mind it's a, it's as shitty and stupid and like at once boring and insulting as a thing can be it's really the the prime picture when i think of like of a modernist yeah. assault on tradition it's that building yeah i know the one yeah well what they were supposed to do is is renovate the museum so that they could bring out more more stuff from uh, storage and put it on display because they have a lot stuck in storage and they didn't do that they just added this horrible thing to the roof and they called it finished and now it's like considered the ugliest building in the world but that was a that, that guy was a famous designer or is i forget yeah. his name and so oh. they they would have paid a pretty they would have paid a pretty penny for that like it was oh yeah cheap yeah that was last cheap. minute no and, but i mean and, if sorry go on and there you go you know like and style is now like gone it's basically just crazy people now who just come up with the most outrageous ideas that don't make any sense. There's no aesthetic purpose to them. There's even engineering wise, it's, it's stupid. A lot of it. And it's just for the shock values. Just no one's ever done this before. No mm. one's made this shape. Let's make this shape. And, and that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Like there's that new one. Where is it? Or is it a proposed design? I didn't even look at it. I'm just not even, I don't even care anymore. It's some, it's like some kind of like standing oblong sort of uh oval uh holes in it have you seen this no it's kind of black uh, okay well i won't go into it. I'm, I'm not even sure i just i i, I saw it on, on my feed or whatever and i saw people talking about it i don't think it's if it's approved or begun or it might mm -hmm. even be finished for all i know i just saw the picture of it i was like okay there's another one but it was yeah. it looked pretty like this monumental in its stupid shape it's, it's basically it's basically like a modern plate glass sky rise but it has like um holes in it you know um that's yes. it there's yeah. no style today it's just whatever you want you know we'll make it happen well you can argue it's a style maybe you could say they have a style um or they have they have a belief i guess or i guess you could say that but you know when you i don't know like everything that's built that way 
it's like it's a lot we're going through a long period of of just nothing just garbage i think it is garbage though yeah it is the worst so regardless of whatever they've made it's just oh it's it's this again right there's nothing refreshing yeah, happening and it never changes yeah they can't get out of it they yeah but they get all the money too right Mm. That's why they're able to just produce and produce and produce because they just get all the money. Anyone who makes or designs anything that's naturalistic or has a purpose is well thought of aesthetically, anything, anything remotely, including historical, anything is just considered a no. Yes. We yeah. must hate ourselves until we stamp <laughs> ourselves out. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty but much. I believe they're, um, they're shabby, um, inefficient, uh, how, how will I say, uh, troglodyte stupidity will uh, unwind them as they as they were, and, and, and it unwinds them already, even though they still create offense after offense. It's like as we go along, mm -hmm. it feels like they get less and less. Everything gets shabbier and works even less. So there, there's bound to be some kind of breaking point where it's like, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, or where they just can't maintain their own silly stupidity and lies. Uh, you know, they can up to a point yeah. already, already. I think it's more, you know, they don't have the support. They wouldn't have the unanimous kind of support. They would have, it's hard to say like the average person doesn't consider these things. I've been musing again lately about the average person, what they are and what they think. And I really can't grasp it. They don't seem to care about these things. Even if you explain it to them, they yeah, only care much, but do they, or what do you think they do? What no. kind of support does modern architecture have? Like, I can't really, I can't tell. Like what I've noticed is that the average person doesn't care unless they go on vacation and then they go take photos in front of like the Colosseum or, or in front of the Eiffel Tower and to get like their Instagram perfect uh, curated gallery ready, you know, yeah. then they yeah. care. I mean, yeah. and some people they'll use, they'll go stand in front of crazy or outrageous architectural or artistic pieces and do the same thing. But it's it's not because they care about the work. It's really just about them, and you know. Right. But right. so, so once again, because the average person is a total fool, they're just absolutely concerned with their own personal day to day social concerns. And uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, when I worked at a at one of the museums in Toronto, we would get people in who just wanted to take photos for their Instagram because they were like really really popular, had like I don't know thousands and thousands of followers, and they're like can you please hold my purse while I take this photo? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> you're a hard woman. Well, like you're not supposed to be doing that in front of these exhibits. Like you're supposed to come here to enjoy the exhibit, not yeah. to just take a photo and, and they want to do some outrageous thing. And it's like, you can't do that. You can't go over the barrier just because you think you're some hot shot. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they, you know, this is a, this is why they need to be led. I guess they don't. They exist when they're when you give them this vacuum where they're you tell them that their, you know, their personal beliefs and ideas are whatever they want. You know, mm -hmm. to in every way and, and to every degree, they don't even they can't even parse what's important or what's not. Everything's just symbolic to them. They go like you said and take pictures in front of the Eiffel Tower while they go back to their own city and uh, you know erect some of these monstrosities we're talking about and just don't even put put them both together and notice like a pattern of like, why aren't we making something like the Eiffel Tower? Like it doesn't even occur to them. It's just like, uh, they go through life looking at these things, the surface of things and not mm -hmm. thinking about them. <laughs> so yeah, not I can't figure that one out. Like, I don't know what it's like to be those people. So I can't speak for them. Like why it doesn't occur to them to think about mm -hmm. other things. 
or the why of things. They just don't, I guess. Yeah. So, but in okay, so we we're, we've gone off the topic a little bit. So, in terms yeah. of your own personal style, so do you have a yourself have a style you feel you've found or or are heading towards that is uniquely yours or no? I'm not sure. I mean, I basically I draw in the classical uh, meth- classical methods from the 19th century that I was taught. Um, I don't know if I have a specific style or if I'm going to have one, but um, I do know that like when I was at the academy, we'd all be in figure class. We all learn the same way to draw. and we're, There's like a semicircle of us around the model. And even though we all learn the same way, every drawing is still different because it depends on how the person, the artist interprets what they're drawing, how they, how much they know how to properly render or what, what um, do, are they heavy handed? Are they light handed? Like there's these little things that I think, also separate everyone, even though we're using the same method of being of, of rendering and drawing. Um, so depending on what you like or what you prefer, at some point that will start to show more as you develop. Mm-hmm. So I notice I like to draw shadows a lot. So I like to make things darker than they actually are. And I know right. that's a critique I would get at the academy. Like I had one teacher who was like that and he had no qualms about things being a little darker than they actually are. Mm. Um, and then another teacher who was like, no, 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 no. You need to go in with the eraser and you need to pick off that charcoal and lighten it. And, so, <laughs> and I would hate doing that. But, um, but I like having the different critiques because it makes you think differently about your work. And then it makes you focus like, maybe he has a point. Maybe I should not darken the lights too much. Maybe I need to go in there and lighten things up. Maybe that'll create more drama. So it's like, I think I'm in development. Because now that I'm not, I'm not at the academy, but I still hear the voices of my teachers in my head. So when I'm doing, working on a drawing, I'm like, hmm, what would Ryan say, you know, if you were here right now? Yeah, yeah. Versus what would Fernando say, you know? So. Yeah, good. Good. But when you're not thinking of those guys at all, you're really in your own world, probably. Like there's a, there's a point mm-hmm. beyond all that where you're probably, you know, it's not like you, you never abandoned what they told you about you. It's like you brought up um, before this when we were talking on the whatever it is Instagram the uh, what's his name Mucha, yeah, that, and his style like the very specifically recognizable easily recognizable style of him. Oh so yeah, he you know he would have gone through everything you were going through and went through, and sort of gone beyond it and sort of claimed up for himself a style. Yeah, his work is so uh, like it's copied all the time. Like he's like the godfather of, of graphic design, really. People, <laughs> people know his work whether they know him or not. You yeah. know, so it, yeah. it's uh, it's very aesthetically pleasing. It's still quite naturalistic while being stylized, but yeah. you know, it's proportioned. You understand, woman in the poster. It's not some bizarre thing happening there. Well, he had, his style is recognizable across all sorts of mediums too. Have you seen his like um, cutlery he designed and no, jewelry? I uh, he's got jewelry and cutlery, and um, he didn't. I don't know if he did furniture. He might have done furniture, furniture too. I'm thinking like Antonio Gaudi did furniture as well. A lot of them did like things like furniture as well. He might have as well. In fact, I think he might have also done furniture. So, and it's all recognizable as him. So, this mm. is a good, a great example of style, of like a guy you, yeah. where you can look at anything he makes. He did sculpture. Uh, you know, he knows sculpture. He, yeah. I think he designs interiors too. He's there's one or two. 
Well, that's the thing. A lot of uh, artists from that time, they went beyond just painting or, or like drawing. Like they were doing other things, which I think is quite interesting that they were, you know, like wallpaper. Um, what's his name? William Morris, right? He started out as an artist and it, his work is recognizable. Like I really want his wallpaper, but it's super, super expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But he has a style. Um, yeah, um, arts and crafts. Yeah, he had a sort of pre-Art Nouveau similar mm -hmm. sort of. The pre-Raphaelites have a style. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they oh. purposely came up with it because like, in the 19th century, there's so many different groups of artists and they all are aiming for something different. So there's style really mattered yeah. then. Yeah. Right? Then but but this, this is the thing we need to find again somehow. So if you want, if you want to discard the modernist stuff and create your own style, not just individually, but like say even so, you had Morris mm -hmm. had a whole bunch of people with him joining with him in the arts and crafts, what they call the arts and crafts style, which is sort of like an Art Nouveau kind of farmhouse. How do you describe it? Art Nouveau slash uh, pre Raphaelite kind yeah. of Gothic revival, also with like almost like Art Deco as well. I don't know, but like yeah. it's definitive and there's they can do it in drawings or textiles or you know a coffee pot or a clock mm -hmm. and you can recognize it yeah so what does that say it means they have a belief behind what they're doing or they've definitely william belief. morris especially he had this whole thing about nothing in your house should be ugly everything must be beautiful oh. i mean obviously it, <laughs> how could you lose such a such an idea i don't know I don't know. Like there was a bunch of crazy artists. I mean, the, the impressionist really started it with the, like, you know, I mean, I'm not knocking impressionism, but when you start going down that road of, of looseness, right. Then you get the post impressionist and then you get more crazy people wanting to be looser and having this really bizarre, they just get away with anything kind of style. Well, the best impressionists were still kind of working in the art nouveau thing. And I saw, and as far as it goes, some of them were like the best as well mm -hmm. so there's always an irony there's always a flip side to every everything yeah like i really don't oh. like matisse and his work no, and no. <laughs> he's like just bastardized the whole thing oh yeah there's a bunch of them that are like shit and they're like i don't really like van gogh had some good ones but overall he definitely doesn't deserve his level of fame i don't think he, he's like he's like the ultimate artist of all time if you talk to some people but you i know, know he had a lot of really crappy ones <laughs> Because he was I mean, going insane, I guess, or I don't know. Well, yeah, he has a, a shit ton of paintings, like a lot, and they're mm. not all good. But mm. I'm not gonna knock him for not trying. Like he, he was, he never sold a painting while he was alive. So it's kind of, <laughs> I don't think I he did. I think his oh, brother okay. just collected his stuff, and then his brother died, and then Van Gogh died, and that was pretty much the end of that. And then Sorry, some that. reason his work is just really, you know well popular i mean i like some of his stuff but i'm not going to go out and say he's like the greatest artist ever yeah he did have some really good ones he definitely did <clears throat> but um most of his even more famous ones i i believe he's popular now just because everyone wants to find someone who's in that modernist oeuvre <laughs> <laughs> who you know can make a pleasing sort of primary color palette <laughs> you know instantly pleasing to the normal person yeah painting and you know they can make him a hero because because he was confident as well you can sort of make him a kind of champion while being pro-modernist which means that you're you know 
in lockstep with the with modern thinking. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's easy for like a normal person just to talk about it because Van Gogh still his work is still recognizable. Like you can tell there's figures in the paintings or there's flowers in the paintings. Right. You can still you talk really, about yeah. that. Yeah. You don't have to like just make awkwardly make up shit about, you know, some teacup with a tampon in it or something like that. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even even Kandinsky would be like you know just random. It'd be a lot of just like lines and circles and colors. And, but um, I, like that's the thing about Van Gogh that really confuses me is he had such he had some really really brilliant ones and he had some that are just absolute crap. And it just like maybe I don't know if it's to do with him slowly losing his mind or you know I mean there's many many art heroes that began to dabble with the modernism like Sargent. He tried to get into it as well, but you could see and a guy like a guy with his level of skill. Yeah, he's not he, going to go down have you that seen the ones where he, have you seen, Yeah, well, he he would, no, because he was so skilled, he could make a competent mm -hmm. modernist one where he would, like, I've seen a few where he would, like, paint, it would be more or less well, like one of his paintings, but it would be crudely, it'd just much more rough and crude and, like, say there'd be a river, but it'd be all, like, uh, multicolored, like, I have the, not the water. Seen, I've not seen work, um, his work that's, uh, that you're describing. Yeah, I mean, he when tried, I think of Sargent, I do yeah. think of that. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but that's because no one no one likes those works of his. He was trying to be, he could see the trend and the things changing, and he was one of the guys that tried to tried to move with it. Mm -hmm. um, but but it was still like it was nothing like even yeah. like the worst of Van Gogh or anything like it was still like fairly competent. But he would just do kind of like some random, you know, <laughs> it was it was just silly. It was quite silly. But yeah, still, I know like, he had a looser hand. He was more painterly in some of his like drawings and stuff than he was like compared to ang right ang is very neoclassical and just precise and, and yeah. Yeah. very linear which is i'm not sure i've ever seen anybody like as sergeant there's a few at around that time where you'd be see him and he'd like have a, even a paint even a sketch for a painting or maybe mm -hmm. a, a painting and yeah. it would appear to me that he just like literally got a dab of paint and like dabbed it on like quick and it is 100 percent perfect <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it is. Yeah. Well, that's perfect. the thing. Like when you have the academic training, if you want to go and do something that's loose or like a la prima, you know, it, it's easy. It's easy yeah. and you can make it look good. But if you're somebody who doesn't have that training or just scoffs at it and says, I don't need that. I'm not going to apply it. Well, you mm. know, like you're not going to be great at what you do. I mean, you might, if you're able to sell it and laugh all the way to the bank, because, you know, it's a lot of fools out there who will just, you know, oh, it has Picasso's name on it. It must be good, you know, like the whole branding thing, right? Because then style, I think it's more about branding now in a way, right? It's like whoever's signature is on it, all of a sudden everybody wants it. Like it's worth something. Yeah. So if you were to try for people in the know, forget the average person, forget everybody <laughs> else who's, who's circling the drain. Mm -hmm. If you were to try to create a new style, an over, overarching style like arts and crafts, Art Nouveau, that mm. could be not just different mediums, but different artists as it was. Well, art, like even Mucha was in his personal style. He was working in that style that was recognizable as Art Nouveau. There's many other artists that's kind of floral. Mm -hmm. um, how do you even describe it? I, uh, organic, floral, naturalist. Yeah. Uh, detailed. It was all that swervy, curly. Very linear, like, like curvy, like lots of lines. But yeah, thin, yeah. Lines, not lines, lines, lines like blossoms moving or tentacles. Yes. Like, yeah. Just kind of winding and, and spiraling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you try to make a new one, mm -hmm. if you were to try, 
even like we'd have to go back to base principles and start over like you know like an egyptian or minoan style <laughs> and say these are the rules of our style mm -hmm. but um maybe you could if like in that way of kind of trying to mix influence like i i have a quasi idea of saying like uh what was what was my i'm not sure sort of like a like a I would definitely use something like Art Nouveau because I feel like it died before it's it it, it died because of what happened politically and et cetera in the world and snuffed yeah. it out uh, prematurely because it only Art lasted Deco. like 10 15 years and Art Deco as well yeah absolutely yeah. They, they were both like 10 15 years uh, between them each and they should have gone on for a good bit longer yeah. I think I, I feel like there's a potential especially in Art Nouveau even more than Deco that was not fully meted out it didn't get its full allotment of time that it should have Mm -hmm. And to extend it, you'd have to take that and like mix it with something else. So you'd have to have a belief system and a kind of set of rules, right? Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. That, maybe that would be a way to do it and escape. But you yeah. like, I had an idea. So maybe like a pagan Art mm -hmm. Nouveau, Art Nouveau mixed with a little bit of, of something like neo Gothic or something. And if you could sort of commandeer that <laughs> and lay out, lay out a set of rules mm -hmm. attenuated to it that are not necessarily strict but like that would to be interesting find yeah. a style to find a recognizable style that can be you know that people will take up because then when they see it to be like oh yes let's do that mm -hmm. I mean, it's a hard thing to even try but you know yeah I know. It, is, it, it is i mean did they is that the way they went about it is that i mean there must be a certain level of that it can't you know you can things happen organically naturally culturally and otherwise but there's also there must be a certain Parts of it where one one guy intentionally says, "Okay, we're going to do this," and creates influence that way. I think I don't know. Yeah, well, if you look at Renaissance um, drawings and paintings, they're very similar in how they're made. Like the Italians, you know, they have a certain way of of drawing and painting, and then the Dutch, the Northern Europeans, have a certain way of drawing and painting. So you can tell those two apart, but then within their own group of artists, like Michelangelo has his own style versus Leonardo. And then Raphael yeah. is a little bit of a combination, I think, of Leonardo and Michelangelo. Even though he's, because he's, he has a short career too, Raphael. So. Yeah, he was kind of unique though. I don't know. He was, yeah. And you can see the influences of Leonardo and Michelangelo. Because right. But um, he's still his own artist. But you can you can see the influence. It's just he didn't live very long. That's another yeah. thing. Like some people just don't get the opportunity to maybe yeah. change yeah. things. Like what would he have done if he had lived longer? I think he died at like in his thirties. So, yeah. which is yeah. yeah. And Caravaggio, he just came out of nowhere and did, and just had this new style. Like I don't know how he came up with that or why he did. And then he just died, you know? Well, people used to be more devoted to this kind of thing. Just like you were saying about Van Gogh, like being alone his whole life and dying and no, no, you know, nobody but his brother collecting his works. He still, it never stopped him. <laughs> he was, yeah. he, he managed to survive and just be devoted to this thing. Well, he was very, I know he wanted, like Van Gogh definitely wanted to create his own style. He's very devoted to that. Um, yeah. And I mean, he did. Yeah, he you can argue he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there and then there's like I don't know pointillism. I don't really care for pointillism that much, but yeah, it's kind of that was a thing. <laughs> like everyone yeah. was like just grabbing at straws in a way. Yeah, that's like that's like, a, like an a, attempt yeah. at being original. That's kind of like too obvious or something. Uh, I think. Yeah. 
Have you ever tried pointillism? I had to do that once in high school. I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I remember seeing people doing it. No, it was never for me. No, I, I, I don't care about that. Not me either. <laughs> so I'd, be, I'd be interested in some way of, of uh, like how the hows and whys of an creating, not that I could say I might be able to do it myself or encourage it in others or anything like that, but it would be, it would be a good thing if you could somehow drum up. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of work involved. There's a, basically a lifetime of work involved in becoming the guy that mm -hmm. comes around and, and creates a new style. So it's, it's hard. You can have those beliefs and everything, but like say yeah. William Morris, William Morris and the arts and crafts guys, since you brought it up, mm -hmm. they were like a development from the pre pre Raphaelites. Am I not wrong? Am I wrong on that? But that were also influenced by industrialization and what were they influenced by? How did yeah. they come around? They were, they really also, Art Nouveau was really owes them a great debt as well. They had a lot of those kind of not, oh, that's what it was like, not work, uh, uh, Nordic or Celtic not work stuff. Mm -hmm. that, that had a huge influence on them and Nouveau. And like those swirls and things we're talking about. Yeah. That was all that not work kind of stuff. And uh, there was also, there's another movement. I can't remember what it's called now. There was so many, but there's a, do you know that artist, that painter, I think it's Casper? Uh, Casper Friedrich? Yeah, the, the one where the, the man is standing at the, yeah. at the rock and then there's all the, the uh, yeah. violent waters. Yeah, that's its own, that's another style. Like this whole like awe and, and of nature and, the sublime yeah, yeah. right yeah so um yeah. i mean there's a lot of things in the 19th century that are just influencing all these things like industrialization and then william morris was just like no i want artisans to be able to make money and be successful and not have them replaced by machines and yeah that was one that was what was influencing him um the problem is, I mean, he was successful. He had his own business, but it was the only people who could really afford what he was making or basically anyone with, who had wealth. So, and he wanted to make it accessible to people, like his his work. To, yeah. And so, yeah, it kind of backfired a little bit, but I mean, he still was successful. I mean, I still want his wallpaper. And so, yeah. but I can't afford yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. I have are William Morris coasters. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have some, um, uh, what do you call them? There's a bit of textile that was used on some chairs. We have some chairs that we covered with a print of William Morris. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah. know it, it is amazing. It is the best thing, one of the best things in in that regard. Textile, mm -hmm. oh, like stuff but for then, the home. But then one of the things that shifted, I, um, I guess, away from... This, this sort of style was they just didn't want ornamentation anymore. Like I, I read when I was studying architecture, there was all these different architects. Like um, I never remember their names. When it comes to the modern guys, their names never stay in my head because I don't like them. They just, <laughs> it's just like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was that French guy who wanted to basically destroy Paris um, and rebuild it. Uh, what's his name? Well, it's not Houseman who did the rebuild, is it? He didn't really destroy. I mean, he destroyed like some medieval stuff, but he. Wait, what, what name did you say? Houseman. No, this is somebody else. He was he's French, but he uh, wanted, like what year? What what? Twentieth uh, century. Um, oh, okay, okay. Maybe nineteen thirties, nineteen forties. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't like. Oh, he's famous though, and I just can't. It, it wasn't like Corbusier. He didn't suggest that, did he, or something? I don't know. 
<laughs> no, but uh, wait, sorry, Corbusier? Yes, yeah. him. It wasn't. It was him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to like level Paris and rebuild it and get rid yeah, of all for the a section of it. He, yeah, he had a plan I saw for a section of it, and it was the, <laughs> the most, <laughs> It was just flat out idiotic. rejected. It was like, nope. Oh. Okay. But nowadays it would not be rejected. They they would love it to be like, oh, innovation. Which <laughs> they, is weird they, they, like, be because in the 19th century, Paris was already renovated. Like they they yeah. widened the streets. Houseman, and Houseman, the one I mentioned, yeah. And but he did a good job, um, to be honest. Although they lost some pretty amazing medieval stuff, and some people complain about it. And in that regard, you know, it's but he did a good job mm -hmm. overall. Let's say like Paris today, people love it. You know, it's beautiful. So a lot of these 20th century architects and artists come around, they're like, we don't like ornamentation. It's just going to be about the material. And some of these homes, they, they're using granite or like chrome or whatever. It's just concrete. It's just concrete. It's always just concrete. Yeah. And it's just about material. So no Classic. ornamentation. We're just going to, you just, the material is the gem basically. And then, mm. like, this is just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, originally it was like, um, you know, say the neoclassical was at war with the Gothic over ornamentation in some ways. Neoclassical would be like, we must get our geometry perfect and, mm -hmm. and not so worry. I mean, there'd be some or or was always be some ornamentation, but it was not like to the Gothic level. So they'd be sort of at war with them. So in some ways it was like they used that against them. And so that Art Deco even, Art Deco did a lot, did had a lot of good ornamentation though as well. It was sometime after that that it was in the era of Corbusier and some of those scoundrels, yeah. where they decided to. I remember. I think one of the first guys was an Austrian guy. Was his name Strauss or something? I can't remember. He wrote a book. Is he the one that Reagan. had a, a clothing line too? He he also made men's suits and he had a store. Well, I don't know about that. I just know that he wrote a book and sort of, and the book is like called Against Ornamentation or something. I but, think that's him. Is it him? But I even, think so. But even he would not be at the Corbusier or modern level. He actually used a good deal of ornamentation in his own architecture and designs. He was just against sort of the Gothic revival level or something. But he he didn't think like even he wasn't like discarded completely. Mm -hmm. Like not like Corbusier. Corbusier was a total fraud, like a sham guy. He was one of those psychotic, you know, grifter types <laughs> kind of appear on a scene and uh, cruise along the darling. Like Duchamp yeah. and others, yeah, he was he was just. Well, when you see like the the modern homes being built, like because where I live right now, there's um, a lot of these people with wealth that just you know tear down their old looking homes and just build these modern pieces that don't even look like a home. They literally just look like boxes. Yeah, or... it'll be a box with like a little a little vertical window off to the side, so they're yeah. not like or like some slick thing, I guess. So they're not even getting like proper light or anything. It's just like, everything about it is. I'm sure it's like a horror to live inside it. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just curious what they're like inside because, I mean, I want my home to feel like a home, not to feel like I'm in an office building or something, you know? Oh, it's got to be hell. It's got to be just, you know, sterile, uh, you know. Well, yeah, if you look inside the the homes of like Corbusier's uh, designs and stuff, like some of them, I'm just like, why? Like, why? <laughs> yeah, it's There's horrible. no... Like he had this thing about cleanliness. He was very obsessed with it. So there was like a sink as soon as you enter like one of the homes he designed. Mm. And um, you had to wash your hands before you went upstairs and all this stuff. And I'm just like, but it doesn't feel like a home. It's just this concrete monstrosity. Yeah. And it's, bad, it's a bad philosophy. He's got a bad belief and it's a bad philosophy.
It was even yeah. the Frank Lloyd Wright who did some design some good stuff. He was it was him and like Bauhaus that were the beginning of as I I, I think it was Norman Mailer said he, they were the grandfathers of what came after. In that oh, they yeah. uh, Frank Lloyd Wright said that every sort of, what did he say? Every corner, every extra corner, every extra nook, and every sort of extra, you know, um, thing you every extra little decorative bit you build in is a potential disaster waiting to happen or like uh, that those aren't the exact words by any means it was some some he said something along those lines oh, which was like totally it's like that's like the anti bernini anti you know all the yeah. all the greats before him well he was uh, inspired by the japanese frank lloyd right so like in 19th century and even into the 20th century you get some japanese inspiration for art and architecture mm. Which is fine too, but he I mean he, like and, and Frank Lloyd Wright had some good designs. He but did. He, like, as Norman Mailer said, he was like the grandfather to the people that, people that came after him, who took those ideas and ran amok. Took the mm -hmm. concept, took his, took his, took his yeah. philosophy towards decoration, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, what can we say about style? We it's a it's an enigma of a thing. We've talked about Egypt. Egypt is really still the primary example of like definitive style. Lasts a long time. I mean, and when you, you think of Egypt today, you still think of the ancient style of drawing and painting. You don't really think of the Islamic influences, really. No, no. no. Everyone thinks of the old of the old one, yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, what can we say uh, other than? Well, like yeah, so like you were mentioning, like philosophy, religion, beliefs, th those play a role in, in developing style. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you have to have a belief, and you have to lay out a set of rules for yourself, mm -hmm. and follow them, even when you may think you're being restrained slightly. Maybe. I mean, surely over those epoch, that great vast period of Egypt, there were some people that were like, you know, can't I make the crocodile-headed god slightly more realistic this time? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but no. But no. Uh, it did not happen. So yeah. when you follow, when you have a like. It just shows that your whole impetus to make art to begin with should be, I guess, sort of belief-based and cultural <laughs> and not just, you know, you want to be free to do what you want. Mm -hmm. Say you're studying the more traditional ways, recent tradition, I guess. I yeah. mean, everything you learn at that uh, atelier would be based on that. Well, not everything, but mostly on um, what's the book, the Bard book and the, you know, all that, which yeah. is great. I mean, it's great. There's no denying its greatness. Yeah. But that's a recent enough style guide, let's say. Yeah, I mean, that's some great. ateliers, like I was doing research on some of them, and some of them are more into the Renaissance. Okay. So it, it depends on who's your teacher, or where they learned, who taught them kind of thing. Right. But uh, I think every era pretty much has something you could learn from it. Except for, I mean, even now, the, the modern shit is just shit. We know that. We can learn to stay away from that and have, and why it's uh, it's not beneficial to any to anything in our lives, really. No, it's like an anti-art philosophy of... Yeah, it is. Just, just, they just want to stand in opposition to everything that came before instead of learning from it. They just want to reject it and throw it all away. So that's their problem. And that's it, all of our problem. Well, yeah, I guess because like... <laughs> Everything, not, there's nothing that you can say is original, right? Everything has already been done, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? You don't have well, to, I, you don't have to like defy history, you know, to be a, 
to be an amazing artist or to be whoever you want to be, you can incorporate it. Yeah, it's like they wanted to throw up, they wanted to be so free, they threw out the rule book in its entirety, when in reality, it's only in the framework of rules that you're can have any real creativity or do anything to begin with. That's true. I mean, with all yeah. the restraints, you know, that makes that forces you to think, well, what can I do with these restraints to, to yeah. be individual? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Whereas you just throw the rules away. It's like, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing. It's just a mass mob of the same stuff. Yeah. It's a great, you know, yeah, it's a great chaos force, uh, a void of nothingness. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And that's what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe in just saying that we can begin to bring people around to a, but it's it very much in my thoughts anyways, now, now and then to the idea of creating, of not creating myself, but like somebody should try to develop a new style that could break through and be like, we're this now, you know, we're, you know, just like we were, we were arts and crafts or we were art deco or, you know, any of it, like some, some I think it's going to take time together. though, it because would, yeah. nothing um, that that was ever made new took off right away. Like oh. for example, um, the invention of the book. The book didn't take the codex. That did not take off right away. That technology was kind of like, ah, that's great, but I like my scrolls, so I'm going to stick to my scrolls. <laughs> right? What idiot would prefer a scroll? Like rolling well, it they out. Did. Well, they did. It took a while for it to take off. It's the same thing with like the printing press. People think, oh, the press was invented and then everybody read the Bible. It's like, no, actually that did not happen. The press was invented. There was no business model for it and it actually failed for a while. Wow. Gutenberg was screwed by his business partner and uh, went out of business. Even though he gets all the credit for the printing press, there's all these other people that came after that imp improved it and actually were successful at uh, printing books and and including artwork with those books and their names aren't in the history book. Like no one, like they are, but no one cares. It's like a footnote, yeah. right? Things well, we don't live, take off right away. <laughs> we live in this high technology di digital age. So it's all kind of different now where a lot of like visual art has just simply been done away with or re replaced by computers, let's say. Mm, but, photography, right? But it, it doesn't really work. It doesn't work the way they envision it because everyone's still like, we're on the computer all the time, but we're looking and imbibing, you know, music and movies from the past or things done mm -hmm. by the pre-digital age when it was like more masterfully done. So there's yeah. still a need there. It's just like, we still need to live in a building and we still need all these other things. You can't just completely abandon what came before until we reach a stage, supposedly. I, mean, I don't think we will, where you, you know, upload your soul and you vanish <laughs> out of the material realm or something, you know. Like some X-Files episode there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Uh, cyberpunk thing or something but um yeah you know there's still a need for these things so you should remain grounded in that sense yeah and i think style um i think as you draw as you create whatever it is it will just come you don't have to force it i think it's just because you have to think about it right like what do you want what are you doing and when you're ready to when you have that figured out it will probably start showing more so I don't yeah, think it, people should worry like, oh my God, I don't have a style. I'm not going to be successful. It's like, yeah, exactly. Work yeah. at it. Exactly. Yeah. Like I never figured a, a really definitive style for myself, like oh, good old Tom Bailey did, but it is something. Yeah. You shouldn't, you should have it in mind. Mm -hmm. And I guess 
you, you know, it's there, you work towards it as a goal, but you have to take every step along the way of like learning from the, from the past uh, mm -hmm. and the masters and studying and work, you know, as you know, <laughs> like the, the hard work, like I still to this day, you know, encounter many, uh, an artist nowadays mm -hmm. who does not, you're one of the few, in fact, I can talk to who understands the true work involved in like doing it properly. Yeah. Be a lot of them, there'll be so many people you meet that be like, I'm an artist. And like, they show you other stuff. And it's like, oh God, you haven't <laughs> even really, and even try to tell them and they'd be like, they'll react like, why are you telling me what I need to do? <laughs> but it's like, you know. Yeah, I you know I, mean? I know. I find I have to be careful with some people because they might take offense about, because they weren't, they didn't have that training, but I'm not trying to offend anyone. It's just, I just want to mention it. Maybe it'll be of interest to them. But yeah, just, I know people get very they're, sensitive they're about yeah. it. Yeah, they get sensitive. It's just they don't. It's all part of that modern thing where you you can't say to someone, <laughs> "You're not an artist." If someone told <laughs> me, if I didn't know about the ateliers, and somebody said, "Hey, I see you like the classical stuff, and you're interested. Wanna just check out this uh, atelier and whatever?" I'd be like, "Great! Tell me where to find it and give me the information." But there's a lot of people who are just very into their this is what i do i don't need anything else and yeah they think they've they think that they've reached that stage of a high style but they and some you can say they have a style but it's not you know it's not good enough really no i mean an artist should never stop learning like the the whole thing about art is you continuously learn and you continuously improve mm. right you should never just be like well i'm a master you know, it's like, no, it's not. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at the work that went into someone like Morris or uh, Klimt or uh, Mucha. I mean, the mm -hmm. level of work behind that is there and you can sense it in when you see it. You know, it's not, there's a lot of labor behind that. Yeah. Before, you know, you don't just, you know. You know just whip it up and, you know, there <laughs> you it is. It yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, well. That's the thing. People don't understand the process, the amount of training that's involved. And they don't see that part. That's not really what's talked about. It's the masterpiece, the final piece that gets the that gets illuminated and, and everyone looks at it and, you know, just says all these things about it or is told to believe all these things about it. But, you know, the work involved is usually much more interesting. I mean, the people of the Renaissance and, and the Baroque period thought the work behind the, the the masterpiece was actually more interesting i remember reading about that i mean that they would collect uh sketches uh of you know from bernini or whoever hmm. because the sketch was the thought process and yeah, yeah, into yeah. the humanists and, and the intellectual was everything and people want to know how does this person think what are they like and so yeah. sometimes that was much more important than the final piece because the final pieces, some of them are not even fully painted by the artists. That they have a workshop. Yeah, yeah. The people in the workshop do most of the. They'll just fill in the color because there's already an underpainting there. Yeah. Some projects only the artists worked on. Depends. Yeah, one of the funniest examples of that. We should finish soon. Like, well, after after this, we'll close it up. But because mm -hmm. um, that was quite long in the end. But. Um, we talk forever. <laughs> but is um, Leonardo's um, Saint, is it, who is it? Saint Sebastian? The one where the guy, the long hair and he's pointing. Mm. You know the one? Yeah. I don't remember who it is. 
Now, there's some argument that it was intentionally meant to be a painting of Dionysus. Oh. That he changed it under pressure at the end. But on the back, is it on the back of the painting? No. It's okay, not on the back of the painting. It's in a sketch from his workshop. There's mm -hmm. a picture of that painting, uh, uh, like a sketch of the same thing, very visibly, mm -hmm. except it's like he's naked. He's chosen like waist down. And he's got a huge erection, <laughs> <laughs> which furthers the Dionysus myth of, about the painting. Mm -hmm. but they say, uh, what I read about it is that this is a this is the work of his studio. Someone in the studio playing some game, I think messing around. And, that could be. Know, I don't know. There's a funny story. Like <laughs> it's just like okay. <laughs> there's a lot that happens that happened in those studios that we don't know about but you know there's lots of artists jealousy and sabotage yeah. and and there's crazy yeah, crazy religious people out there that we're against the pagan influences in art and you can read about yeah. uh, i think it's savonarola he uh did not uh, approve of the paganist uh, influences and Botticelli even burned some of his own paintings because of the pagan, pagan uh, um, images he included, symbolism. So, I mean, that's a he whole burned. other topic. Yeah, he got rid of some of his paintings. Some of them are lost because Savonarola was just like not having it. And there was like an uprising against, against, um, against that. I mean, even with the mannerists, uh, that's late Renaissance. You see Michelangelo's work. There's all this nudity, all this contortion of the bodies. And, and the church was like, yeah, you guys are thinking too highly of yourselves. We're going to put some rules in place so you can't do this anymore. And that's why things change, especially in the Baroque. You're not seeing crazy torsion or like um, yeah, a lot of nudity. There's rules in place, especially for like uh, holy figures. All right. Yeah. Well. I mean, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, we should, do, we should do another one on that. That would be a good, great topic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll down the line we'll do that whenever you're yeah. free. You're a hard I one to pin down. So. <laughs> well, school is like just, I'm just busy with it. And then I want to be prepared. If we're going to do a topic like something about the Renaissance, I want to like brush up and just remind myself of, of that, things. That whole pagan versus pagan Christian duality in the Renaissance would be very interesting and would make a good, really good one. We should do it though. We should, we should do that. There's anyway. a show called The Medici. It's like okay. a, an Italian and British um, series. Right. So, um, and it's about how the Medici came to power. And you'll see the artists like Botticelli in it. And and I think Leonardo's in it. So um, it's, I think, three seasons so far. I have not watched it, but apparently it's good. So I'm thinking of checking that out and see how um, how well they stuck to history. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good. All right. Well, I'm freezing, so that's it. <laughs> and, All right. Uh, good talking talking to you again, and um, you thanks for that. Yes. And I think we covered style as much as we could. I mean, what can we say about it except what we said? It's kind of mm -hmm. a, one of those uh, nebulous things to grasp, really. But uh, its purpose is, I mean, it's necessary. Even you must like head towards it while not thinking about it too much, like you said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it's just one of those things, you know. It will maybe just you, happen. Maybe you can create, yeah. Either on a personal level, it'll just happen, and that's just your personal life as an artist. But if you can be a part of a larger style, like one of these movements we're talking about, yeah, then that's something else. That's a larger belief that encompasses rules, I guess. And uh, yeah, maybe after our lifetime, things will things will go back. Like there will be a style. Somebody will be looking at the 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 artists who were working underground basically and 
you know, the real artists. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll live these miserable lives in the shadows of these like awful carbuncles. And then like a hundred years from now, someone will see the video and be like, ah, oh, yeah, let's, let's revolt. <laughs> let's, let's bring it back. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. All right. All right. See All right. You. Thanks for that. And uh, goodbye. Bye.